You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions to our mailbox at Let's Talk Torah at gmail.com, and I will answer as many as I can. You know, it's the last night of Hanukkah, and of course, for that, we had to bring our donuts. So hopefully everybody behind the glass enjoying donuts and getting that sticky. You see, they're eating it now and getting their sticky fingers all over the controls and stuff. That is amazing. Anyways, to start, um, I have a funny story. I think it's a funny story. So I drive my wonderful daughter to school today, my eighth grader, and I always ask her how school's going and what's happening, and sometimes she tells me and sometimes she doesn't. And... uh, so what happened was, she says, yeah, we have a game you were supposed to do. We want, had one plan, then we had to change it, then we had to get permission, we spent money, and it's some type, I don't know what this game is, deal or no deal, I have no idea. Basically, the child comes up, uh, and they get to pick which package, the big box, the little box, I'm sure you know what it is. So I asked my daughter, um, what does that have to do with Hanukkah? What is, what is packages, you know, wrapped up? says, no, no, we used Hanukkah wrapping paper. And my teacher said, as long as it has some connection to Hanukkah, uh, then we're good. So I said, you're kidding, right? In other words, because the wrapping paper has pictures of Hanukkah, that qualifies to be um, related to the holiday. And she said, yeah, yes, it does. And we're very happy with it. So, of course, I made fun of her for a few minutes. And um, and we would like to spend our next, oh, 22 and a half minutes or so talking about Hanukkah, but not just about the wrapping paper. We can do better than wrapping paper. So I think the most important thing for us to, to start out with is just a, a quick overview and then to, to, take it, to take it a little deeper than that, right? The what, the when, the where, the why, the how. So, so what happened? So over, just again, a quick overview and then we'll, we'll dive in. But the, the, the Greeks, really the Assyrians, had, were in control of the land of Israel they did not appreciate that the Jewish people were keeping their Torah. They wanted them to be Greek. So they took over the temple. They wanted everybody to become Greek. The rabbis rebelled. Mo- many people, it's hard to say if it was most, sounds like most people were happy with the Greeks. The rabbis rebelled. They had their battles. You call them Judah Maccabee, right? They won their battles, eventually get up to the temple, clean out the temple, find one jar of oil, one pure jar of oil, which we'll talk about. Um, that jar of oil should have lasted for one day. It lasted for eight days. Um, therefore, we have eight days of Hanukkah to remember, first of all, the battle, second of all, the, the miracle of the oil, 
And this took place in the middle of the second temple. So if the temple was destroyed approximately 2,000 years ago, we're talking approximately 2,200 and change years ago is when this story takes place. So it's not recent. It's for, obviously, for most of us, it's ancient history, but it's not like super ancient history. So let's, uh, so this is the, the, that was the overall gist. How do we celebrate it? We celebrate it, of course, every night we have our, our Hanukkah candles, or some people like to light with oil, like me and my children. So last night, I like to prepare the menorah. So last night, I fill them all up. I get the glass cups in there, and I, and I, and I look back at one of the cups, and I said, yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I filled that up. And I fill it up again. And I come back, and again, it's empty. You know, and I'm, sometimes I'm a little spacey myself. And all of a sudden, there's a puddle on the floor of, I was hoping it was water, but it was not. It was oil. Uh, there was a hole. The cup was broken on the bottom. I didn't know. So that put a little wrench in my timing. We had to clean it up and re recalibrate, as we like to say, get it filled up. So we, we, we light the candles. Um, people play dreidel. Um, one of my sons, I don't know what happens, why we didn't really play dreidel yet, but I discussed with my wife, we will make sure tonight that he gets his dreidel game, whatever he wants. I think we use, uh, we use uh, chocolate chips, for the for the money, for the pot, everybody. Right, for those who don't know the rules, right? It says uh, there's a gimel, that's you you get the whole pot, and then there's the hay, you get half the pot, and the nun you get nothing, and the shin you gotta put one in. It was interesting. My my granddaughter asked me a fascinating question, which is pretty good for a well, she's in second grade, so how old would she be? Seven, maybe. So she says to me. Which we'll talk about. The, the, the reason we play the dreidel game is because when the Jewish people were hiding and they didn't want to be discovered that they were studying Torah, so they would play with tops with these dreidels and, and uh, they could study. And when the, when the Greeks came by, what are you doing? Oh, we're just playing tops. Okay. So uh, my granddaughter asked me, what did their dreidel say? You see, we look at these four letters and we say, Nace, that's the Nun, Nace, miracle, Godel, a, a great miracle. Haya was, Sham there. Great miracle took place in the land of Israel, whether it's referring to the war, whether it's referring to the, um, to the miracle of the oil. So a great Nace took place there. That's beautiful. But before the miracle took place, they were already playing with these taps, with these dreidels. What did their dreidels say? Some say it had the same letters, but it stood for other stuff. So it's an interesting thought, exactly what it was, and they talk about it. Some say it stands for Goshna, which, uh, which sounds like the city of Goshen, which is where the Jewish people lived in Egypt. So there's different possibilities. We're not going to get into that so much, but it's really just, you know, we like to think with good questions. That is a good question coming from a second grader, unless her teacher fed her the question, and that's how she knew to ask it. I have no idea. I did not press um, of course, we also know there's other customs there's, because it's oil. The miracle was oil. So there's going to be a lot of stuff with oil taking place. People will fry things. All my healthy. We had our, our, our nutritionist, our health professional, a couple weeks ago. She put on LinkedIn that the donut hole has no calories. So therefore, I don't eat the donut holes. I just eat the donuts. 
and I was really doing well. I must say, I uh, um, I fell off my excellent dieting, and I've had too many donuts and too much chocolate and and too much cake and all very yummy, delicious stuff. Um, but since tonight is the last night of Hanukkah, so probably I'll just eat extra because you know I'm allowed. It's the holiday. But yeah, by next week we got to get back into the swing of things so we can feel good and be at a good weight and be healthy. But you know, come on, it's the holidays. My wife says you only live once, but the holidays keep coming. That's the problem. But in any case, uh, people also have what they call potato pancakes or latkes, which again is potatoes fried in oil, which um, I actually did not have yet. That is terrible. I will have to do something about that later this evening. I hope. I mean, they don't let me fry in the kitchen. But maybe if I ask nicely, who knows, maybe someone will be kind enough and give me a latke. But in any case, so that gives you an overall. Now let's back up and refocus what what took place. Okay. The If you go back to the beginning of the story, you really got to go back to the story of Purim. The story of Purim with Mordechai and Esther takes place in Persia. The Persian Empire at that time was a world power. Israel was under the dominion of Persia. The Persians allowed the Jewish people to go back and build the second temple. And soon after we rebuilt the second temple, you have the story with Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great. So again, those who know history, Macedonia and Greece, and he built his armies. And he became the next world power. He took over Persia. He didn't get, I don't know how deep he got into Persia, but he got deep enough that the what we call the Middle East was his. As did he get deep into Iran? I mean, there were battles. He won, and his soldiers got tired at that point. That's when they started going back. Um, so as Alexander is bringing his armies to conquer the world, so the there were Samaritans, I believe, that were also in Israel, and they had gone to Alexander and said, these Jews are rebelling. Oh, yeah, I'll take care of those Jews, no problem. So Alexander marches to Israel, the great uh, Shimon the Righteous, Shimon HaTzadik, he gets wind of it, so he puts on the priestly vestments, the the, the priestly clothing, and he has a, a, a whole slew of priests with him, all dressed very regally, all holding torches. And the priests are marching towards Alexander's army, and Alexander's army is marching, and, and at dawn, um, Alexander sees them getting closer. And the Samaritans say, that, that's, those are the Jews, you got to go kill those guys, they're the ones rebelling. Alexander gets closer. And the Talmud tells us he gets off his horse and he bows down to Shimon HaTzadik. And his soldiers are not pleased. He says, you don't understand. This is the, it went every night before I go into battle, this is the picture of what I see. This man is who I see every night before I go to battle. This is what it's all about. Now the question is, what does that mean? Could be a guy just putting his head to see a picture of, of this great rabbi, so when he would meet him, he would want to destroy him. Others say very interesting, and this, again, is historical. Any nation that when they're busy conquering the world, um, the best way to make sure people don't rebel is to infuse your culture 
um, into the place you've conquered. You obviously assume that the people you're conquering are barbarians and they don't have a good life and you're coming there to help them. America does this all the time. Again, I'm not discussing good, bad, but uh, throughout America's history, right, any place we've gone after to conquer, isn't that what we said, right, that that, uh, they have a despot that's uh, their leader and... And they need they need to be free, and they need to have democracy. And again, I'm not saying democracy is a bad thing; it's a very good thing. But that's what we do: we move into a country, we say, "You'll learn democracy from us, and then you won't want to make war with us anymore. You'll want to be business partners with us." So that's what Alexander wanted, also, right? He said the Greek culture is the highest culture. If we introduce everyone to the Greek culture, they will be people and not barbarians. So Alexander said, I look at this rabbi and I see culture. I see a person. I don't see an animal. I don't see a barbarian. Of course, he was a very righteous person. Um, If you've ever had the opportunity to see a righteous person, you don't forget these things. These people, their faces shine. I tell people all the time, I I had the opportunity to see the great uh, Rabbi Moses Feinstein when I was in 11th grade. We, uh, We were allowed to pray with his private... Uh, minion in his apartment in the Lower East Side. You had to call up. You had to get an appointment. Uh, whatever. It was It was the coldest day. It was bitter cold. We got at 4 o'clock in the morning, took some trains from Queens to get to the Lower East Side. We had to walk, and I had my long underwear on because it was really cold. Um, and I got to watch him pray, and I got to speak to him for a few minutes. And and his his face was shining. You can tell when you see holy people. They're They're different. So that's why I have the light shining off my head, so you should think I'm also righteous, very, very bright and shiny. Uh, but in any case, because they told me if I use certain makeup, it, it'll be dull. Why would I want to be dull? I want to be bright. In any case, so Alexander said, this is what I'm looking for. So he understood the Samaritans had set him up, so he gave the Samaritans over to the rabbis, and uh, they took care of them. At the same time, Alexander says, you know, wouldn't it be nice, um, you know, you want to honor me, why don't you put a, a statue of me in your temple? That would be a very nice way of honoring me. We don't put uh, statues up in the temple. So instead the rabbis said, you know, we have a better idea. Rabbis always have better ideas. Um, so he said, uh, you know, we will name every firstborn child that's born this year Alexander. Every first, uh, not, sorry, not firstborn, every boy Sorry, every boy that's born this year will be named Alexander. What greater way could we honor you than calling everybody Alexander? Um, and that's why Alexander, or Sender, is a nickname, is a Jewish name. I have a Sender in my class. One of my best friends from uh, high school, his name was Alexander. Or, or um, what do we call him? Actually, he had a second name, so we didn't call him Alexander. But that was his, uh, that was his name. So um, Alexander agreed. And so life was good. But we all know in history, Alexander, what, he lived six years during his conquest and afterwards? He didn't live long. So his, his, um, his, his uh, empire is what I was looking for. His empire was uh, split up in three ways. So you had the southern kingdom. That was the Ptolemy dynasty. You had this, um, what were they called? can't remember the name of the northern kingdom, but I should. Um, Antiochus was the king, but there was a name. Began with an S, and then there must have been Greece was a must have been a third a third part of the empire. So for a, a long period of time, the Ptolemy dynasty was in control of the land of Israel, and for the most part, things were good. Um, we'll see. If we talk in a few weeks. We talked. Uh, um, he had them translate the 
Torah into Greek, and we've talked in the past why that's considered a tragedy. And but he was good to us. He let us. Uh, he let us uh, freedom of religion. He allowed us freedom of religion, which was a beautiful thing. But then the northern kingdom, the, all these Antiochus, there was like five or six of them. Um, they conquered the land of Israel, and once that happened, now we got problems. Because, and it's interesting why I, I can't tell you why the Talmai government didn't care. But during the whole period of the Talmai government, you also had a lot of a lot of Jews that liked the idea of of Hellenism. They liked the idea of Greece and and Greek culture, and they liked the idea of not being religious. They liked it. So you already had a lot of Jews going off in that direction. You had a lot of Jews who were religious. But when Antiochus takes over, he doesn't like the idea of any religion. Why didn't they like the idea of religion? Because if I'm busy trying to sell you my culture, I mean, it could be that my government felt um, that eventually we would just uh, fall in love with it and we would all become Greek, and so why bother fighting? Antiochus didn't take that tract. He figured we, need, he, we needed a little more help. So they, they started um, decrees. And the, the decrees obviously were to make us not do Torah and not do the mitzvos. It's interesting. There, was a, there were four basic ones that they came down very hard on. Um, you couldn't study Torah. You couldn't keep the Sabbath. And there's all kinds of stories that the Jews would go into caves and hide in the caves. And uh, if the Greeks got wind of it, they would uh, either attack the cave or put some huge bonfire in front of the cave to pull out all the oxygen. Um, you, couldn't, you couldn't proclaim the new month. You know, it's every month, which was actually um, yesterday, the new month, um, you need the court to proclaim the new month is now starting. Because it was because of the mathematics that the, in the lunar calendar, there's 29 and a half days per month and change. So you got to play which day does the new month start on. And uh, over the calendar year, you'll make sure everything works out. But that's how we have our holidays, right? So if you can't proclaim when the month begins, well, how are you supposed to know when the 15th of Nisan is to start Passover? How do you know when the 10th day of Tishrei is to have Yom Kippur? How do you know when the 15th of Tishrei is? To have uh, to have Sukkot, I was going to say, how do you have the twenty fifth of of Kislev to have Hanukkah? But obviously, Hanukkah hadn't started yet. So that was that was the way of getting rid of holidays, and they also said no circumcision. Why no circumcision? Because circumcision says the body is not perfect, and the Greeks, right? Think Olympics, right? The Greeks worship their body. Yes, they they were big into philosophy. Um, but they were also big into their bodies and sports and and throwing and and shot puts and javelins and running fastest and and just being monsters, right? So so to go ahead and say the body's not perfect and needs circumcision, that again goes against their culture. So they figured if they're going to fight with the Jews for all these things, they'll win. And the plan was pretty good. Right? And the temple, we left Jerusalem, we left the Temple Mount, we weren't bringing sacrifices, we went into the villages on the side, and as long as they didn't, you know, hound everybody, so we laid low. 
But they finally found Matisio and his five sons in the city of Modian. And uh, whoever the officer was, he demanded they bring a sacrifice. And uh, so they wanted us to sacrifice a pig. And a different man there said he'll do it. And he sacrificed the pig, and Matisio kills him. And he gives his proclamation, Mila Shemelai, whoever's to God, you know, with me. And a few thousand, I think at the top, five to eight thousand was the maximum size, according to Josephus of their army. And uh, Matisio, by the way, doesn't survive. He passed away soon afterwards, and he gives over the mantle of leadership to his five sons. And they begin their war. It's miraculous. Again, you you, you got to imagine for a second. You know, it's like... Uh, like when the Spaniards, you know, attacked in South America, right? So you had these people with their spears and their, and their, and their armor and their swords, and they're fighting people that are shooting twigs at you. Okay, they kill them all because of disease, but you, you, you have a modern, well-trained, world-class army, and they came with 50,000 and 60,000 and 80,000. And you have this ragtag bunch of rabbis fighting. We're not warriors. We don't have the right equipment. We don't know how to fight. But it doesn't matter because God wanted us to win. But three years, by the way. It wasn't overnight. It was three years of battle. And finally, the Syrians backed out. They left Jerusalem. We went up. There was a castle, I don't know, a tower or something that they, that they didn't conquer. Um, so that was always an issue for a while. But now the, the religious Jews come up. They clean out the temple. They've got to get rid of all the idols. Uh, the altar was used for idol worship. They broke that apart and put it in a side room. They had to make new vessels. But if the whole point of the battle was the, that we said we're supposed to study Torah, God wants us to study Torah, that's, that's like a sign of being pure. And we're fighting the people that want us to not keep the Torah. So we're fighting the people that are impure. So how can you show, God, how can you show us that this is what you wanted? How can you show us you wanted the pure to win? You wanted the righteous to win over the wicked. You wanted the weak to win over the strong. You wanted those that keep your Torah to win over those that on purpose don't keep your Torah. How are you going to show us this? So they found a jar of oil. Now again, oil was kept in a storage house. This was one of the, the ingredients you needed every day for sacrifices. There's a storage house of, uh, of oil, and the, the Greeks made sure to make them impure. They picked it up. They, they broke up the seal. It's not hard to make it impure. They touched it. No big deal. I mean, the oil looks beautiful, but it's considered impure. They found buried in the floor, which doesn't make sense because they had a storage house, like going to the grocery and finding buried under one of the tiles a, a, a can of, uh, of tuna fish. Like that, That's not where you put stuff in a grocery store. And nobody hides, nobody buries things in their house. You know, we, we have a pantry downstairs. Uh, I'm going to bury um, a few boxes of macaroni. Nobody does that, right? So, so what happens is that, uh, but they do find this jar and again, strangely enough, it had a seal on it. So since it had a seal, that meant nobody opened it. Nobody put their finger in it. And it happened to be it was the seal of the high priest, which again was quite unusual. Right? That's not the job of the high priest, but that's what it was. They found it. Um, it was supposed to last for one night. 
It lasted for eight nights where they put in an eighth each night because they knew to create new pure oil, it was an eight-day process. Whether you had to make somebody pure, whether you had to make the oil pure. Um, in any case, it was an eight-day process to get new oil. And the oil lasted for eight days. They, they had to make a makeshift menorah. It wasn't a beautiful gold menorah, that I can assure you. Um, so they made the menorah. They put the oil in. It was pure. It lasted for eight, eight nights. So we saw that God, that's what he wanted, that, that it wasn't just the battle. It was a battle of purity over impurity. And, ah, oh, here comes my music. It's even Hanukkah music. I don't know if you can hear it yet. But in any case, I hope you're enjoying your Hanukkah. I hope you're, you're doing what you're supposed to do and lighting those candles and eating those donuts and playing dreidel, enjoying the children if they're on vacation, all that kind of good stuff. In any case, thank you to wonderful sponsors and listeners. I can't do it without you. Thank you to wonderful production team. We have David and Kelsey in the back. I hope I've left some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.